0: The game's all about. All of a sudden,
1: you feel like you can't miss. Oh, is up there.
0: You could make that if you tried that again. Absolutely <laughs> not. Let's the Let's go. Welcome to the Buckets Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Titus, here for another installment. Man, we're here at episode two, joined by my co-host, Adam Coffer. What's up, man? How you doing today?
1: What's going on? I'm doing well.
0: Good, man. It's been a crazy weekend for fantasy sake. Not really for the NBA, but for fantasy football. So if you guys are neck deep into fantasy football drafting season, make sure you check out the Fantasy Flex with Chris Raybon and Sean Kerner. They're inside that you can get for fantasy football on that feed. So make sure you check that out. Also, if you're into college football, check out Big Bets on campus. The crew over there has you covered. But also, Adam, I know you are... Also really into fantasy football, as am I. Um, A lot of big news that happened this weekend. So, I I mean, that's pretty much what I've been paying attention to, right? Like J.K. Dobbins went down, unfortunately. But let's uh, switch hats a little bit. I know that there was a pretty crazy, eh, not that crazy of a trade that went down this past weekend. Lori Markkinen finally got dealt to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Larry Nance Jr., which I think certainly will help their depth. But do you think that this is going to be From a fantasy standpoint, is this changing your draft strategy at all? Like, do you think Larry Nance is going to thrive in Portland? Does Laurie Marketing finally become the person that, you know, a lot of people thought that he could be um, last fantasy season, but he's really just been a bust for now just because he can't stay healthy. Right. And I think that you could probably say that for both of them.
1: Right. Like you said, I don't know that it moves the needle all that much for either of these guys. Larry Nance was kind of buried on the depth chart there in Cleveland. He gets a little bit more of an opportunity going to Portland where they lack depth up front. So he could see a few more minutes and he might be a good late round target this season because of that, for the defensive stats that he gives you. For yeah. Laurie Markkinen, I- I'm not sure. I'm not sure this does anything for his value. Probably doesn't even start uh, in Cleveland. With uh, it depends if they go Mobley and and Jared Allen together or or maybe because Mobley's a rookie they they start with Markkinen at the four, um, but I'm not I'm not sure I'm I'm actively targeting Lauren Markkinen in fantasy drafts this season.
0: Yeah, likewise. I mean, I think we've seen so far what his his upside really is, but you know that youth movement that's going on in Cleveland right now. You know they still have Colin Sexton there. We don't know that he's going to be there for very long. But Darius Garland was definitely valuable fantasy resource, but then you go out and draft Evan Mobley and you still have Jared Allen there. So to me, that log jam in the front court, I don't really know what I'm looking forward to um, and trying to acquire him in fantasy drafts. And Kevin Love is still there. I don't expect him to get a lot of playing time. I don't expect him to even be on the roster by the end of the season, but he said he doesn't want to take a buyout. So if he's still there, he's the veteran on, on the squad. And if he's healthy, I think it could potentially cut into his minutes. So I kind of agree with you um, in terms of Larry Nance's upside defensively, it's huge, right? And him play next to Rocco, uh, that could be actually a really good regular season team for the Portland Trailblazers. I just don't know that necessarily fantasy value-wise, Larry Nance holds the same value in Portland with more options around him in the offense uh, than he than he was in, in Cleveland. So, yeah, so speaking of drafting, you know, last week we touched on the first two rounds of a Fantrax industry mock draft, and you scooped up, you know Giannis Antetokounmpo at number five, and then on the on your second round pick, you spend it on Demar Derozan. So I kind of want to get your your insight of to what really happened in your draft that made you pick um, you know rounds two and on some of your players. And I know you're really high on some of them, so I going to spend more time on those guys. But yeah, let's just start with uh, let's start with Demar here. You know you drafted Giannis in the first round, so you're obviously getting a lot of counting stats. Probably not that much in the three in the three point. Uh, in the three-point category as well as free throws. Is that anything that you think that Damanis Sabonis can can help with? Or do you think that this is more like value play, first two rounds I'm going to get guys that really just are going to be fantasy beasts and then go to more strategy considerations thereafter for like rounds three through five and and so on?
1: Sure, yeah. Tons of things uh, we could talk about uh, with why I drafted Sabonis and the strategy I sort of went with. So Giannis... Right, Giannis hurts you in free throws, and Giannis hurts you in in three-pointers, right? And guess what? So does Damanis Sabonis. So if you're going to lean into the punting strategy of punting uh, free throw percentage and three-pointers, you might as well lean in all the way and build up on the other seven categories in your league Right, field goal percentage, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, and turnovers. Like, see, see what you can do to to lean into those and take a back seat on uh, categories. So for that reason, I mean, I think Sabonis is super safe. He's really the he's really the glue of that team, uh, that Pacers team. And I really like, yeah, I really like the safety and a little bit of upside uh, of him in, in round two over guys. Uh, um, let's see who who did I take him over? I took Sabonis over Lamelo Ball. He's got question marks. Uh, with his uh, percentages and his turnovers, Shea Gil- Jimmy coming off the injury, right? Jimmy Butler probably takes a little bit of a backseat with with Kyle Lowry there. The assist might right. go down a little bit, but Jimmy Butler is another good one that that I could have ran with because I took Giannis. You know, I'm, I'm saying I I'm, not, I'm okay with not uh, not winning the three point category. Jimmy Butler is a perfect guy to take if you're not interested in winning threes, right? Yeah. So, but but Sabonis was a pick for me. I think he's super safe with a with a hint of upside.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, Sabonis averaged a career high 6.7 assists. So, you know, you, you could have went point guard here, but essentially you're getting a point, like a point forward in Sabonis, right? Like, I mean, 6.7 assists from the center position is extremely valuable at that position. So I think you're just getting more upside there. Whereas you can get a guard anywhere that can give you six assists, like say Devontae Graham, for example, that later, later in the draft, but you know, it's 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 a good it's a good thing. So you're actually punting based off of Giannis's, the Giannis selection. You're already leading in in round two, not not beyond that. So that's a that's a really interesting take. And for those that don't know or maybe introduced to this, the punting strategy, do you mind explaining that a little bit more?
1: Yeah. So it's it's uh the punting strategy works in nine category leagues uh where you're playing head to head against an opponent. And how I how I see it is in snake drafts, it's hard uh, to know exactly what's going to happen in the first two rounds. So what I like to do is I like to take the best player available in the first two rounds, right? But if right. my first player is is very, very weak in one or two categories, I will then lean into the strategy of punting those two categories with subsequent picks because I want to be stronger in seven or eight of the categories than be relatively average in all the categories and have a better chance to win those seven categories than I would, you know, lower chances to win all the categories across the board. Then you have a little bit more variability and you have a better chance to lose each week uh, if you're just mediocre at all the categories.
0: That's the main point of it, right? It's like you have nine categories to choose from, right? And there's so much variability in terms of like the margin of are you going to score? Is your are you relying on a player to score twenty points? Or are they going to score ten points? Obviously, the they average fifteen. But what variance are you going to have of that on a weekly basis per player? And if you can dominate three, four, five categories really well beyond the average, that's going to set you apart from those from those other ones. That you may sneak a, you might be able to sneak out a couple of wins if you're punting a free throw or a three pointer. It's just because people have, you know, above average weeks, right? So it's not that you're saying that you're going to lose these categories. It's just that you're focusing your attention on other ones and being great at other ones, not being average across the board. Yeah.
1: And then you also want to think about a player's value in terms of if you are punting the categories that they are the worst at. So say you go into your, your draft, you draft, you know, uh, Giannis and then in the second or, or the third round, you take a guy like Rudy Gobert, right? Cause Rudy Gobert is bad at free throws and Rudy Gobert doesn't get you threes. So Rudy Gobert's value goes up even higher since you are okay with punting those two categories as a result of right. drafting Giannis in the first round. So Rudy Gobert is like a smash third-round pick at that point. Right, so, because he, so lean he, because in he to dominates, strategy.
0: Right, he dominates those categories so, so much. The field goal percentage, the, the rebounds, and the blocks, you know, he's way above, you know, the average for that. So yeah, totally understand that. And so you selected Sabonis over Gobert mainly because while Gobert is very valuable in in certain categories, I think Demon Sabonis gives you a little bit more breadth of that, of those contributions across those statistical categories that matter, The, the points, rebounds, assists, and also he still gives you field goal and he still gives you, um, you know, pretty, pretty good uh, turnover uh, numbers as well for the amount of opportunities that he has in terms of usage rate. So yeah, I think bonus. makes a ton of sense there. So let's go to third round. Uh, Jalen Brown was your third round selection. Are you just really high on him? You know, you took him over a more notable name like Devin Booker. And if you follow the stretch four, we know how you feel about Devin Booker. <laughs> um, but do you think, I mean, you're taking him over a guy like Devin Booker, Zion Williamson, Chris Middleton. These are guys with really safe floors to me. Um, so you're you must be banking on some upside here with Jalen Brown, without having Kemba Walker to compete with for touches, and really be, pretty much being him and Jason Tatum's team now, right?
1: Yeah, there's no Kemba Walker. There's no Evan Fournier last season. Jalen Brown averaged you know 25 points, six rebounds, and almost four assists per game, and almost two steals plus blocks per game with pretty good percentages. Like, this guy, I don't know how old he is, 24, 25-ish, something like that. Like, his his upside is is immense. Like, he's, he's playing second fiddle to Jason Tatum, sure, but really kind of barely. And Devin Booker with Chris Paul there, like, there's, I'm not interested in that moving forward, to be honest with you. I think last season I was burned by it, uh, not understanding what the effect of Chris Paul on that team would be and i think and this this actually brings up another point i think oftentimes in fantasy basketball people are uh kind of obsessed with the high scores and i think that is to their detriment in nine cat leagues obviously in points leagues get all the stats you can possibly get but in nine cat leagues think about think about the eight other categories that exist and and guys that can help fill out those those you know categories for your team. Devin Booker is more of a scorer and he's a three-point shooter. Sure. He's great free throws. No problem. He still gets turnovers, doesn't get very many rebounds, doesn't get very many assists. Jalen Brown's going to get a lot of probably rebounds, steals, blocks, similar field goal percentage, similar free throw percentage to a Devin Booker. So I, I I like the upside of of a guy like Brown.
0: I think the one person that I would be curious that you didn't consider more given that you were drafting Giannis and Sabonis would then be to follow up with like Zion Williamson. I mean, it's not like Zion, but we were talked about it at the end of last season. Point Zion became a thing. Like he averaged 5.3 assists in the month of May, um, averaged over four assists per contest the final four months of the season. So, you know, if you're punting free throws, he doesn't shoot free throws very well. He doesn't shoot three-pointers at all, but he gives you volume at other positions. So just curious as to why maybe he wasn't considered there and then maybe it just could be that you just feel like Jalen Brown's going to be a better player going into next season.
1: Dan, let me tell you something. You just hit the nail on the head. Zion Zion should have been the pick based on the strategy that... Right? <laughs> oh, <snap. laughs> like you're, you're, That's
0: why you're mocking. That's why we're mocking, yo, right? We're getting it out you, the way. <laughs>
1: that was the first mock. Like, I didn't have my strategy going into it. I, you know, it was a quick... I think it was a 30-second timer, 45-second timer. Which so it's crazy, crazy. It fast. took me a little bit of time to figure out I'm punting free throws and threes. And I was like, oh, Jalen Brown's there. He doesn't shoot like that good of free throw. Percent. It's like 76% or something like that. But you're right. Zion doesn't hit threes is bad free throw shooter. That would have been a perfect way to, you know, really go with this punting free throw and three point strategy. But I still I still do think there's upside with with Jalen Brown. But looking back, I probably would have taken Zion there. Yeah, and I
0: think, you know, and I think your argument for not selecting someone like Devin Booker, um, Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris, these are all very good efficiency guys, Pretty, but they're also very average, right? Like they, they're they consistent, but they're not giving you this this crazy upside that we're talking about. And, you know, first three picks of your draft, you want to have some upside uh, baked into the, to the selections here. So a couple of notable names just want to notice that uh, LeBron James went third round, 12th pick. So that that's a guy that I think you know. There's a lot of hype, and na- we're talking about name notoriety, and people get obsessed with scoring, maybe even triple doubles. We were talking about that with Luca. Do you think it's right for LeBron James to fall to pretty much the end of the third round? To me, that seems right, right? Like this guy is going in, entering what 18th year in the league now? Something crazy like that, even with all these, you know, veterans around him. I'm not trusting LeBron to be the LeBron of old from a fantasy perspective.
1: For sure. I took LeBron in the second round last season and just wasn't wasn't really happy with the pick. But I didn't think there were any other guys, you know, behind him that I would be you know, better off with. But this season, adding Russ, 82 game season, shortened off season, Like, you've got to think that they're going to rest LeBron and, and and down the stretch like in the fantasy basketball playoffs, like if you're going to go into the season with LeBron, if you're going to draft LeBron in the third round or whatever, like you better be ready to offload him before the trade deadline. Cause there's no way you can trust that guy in the fantasy basketball playoffs. Right. So, you know, his numbers are definitely going to come down across the board with Russ there. Like Russ just eats into, you know, people's uh, usage. Uh, we saw that a little bit with Bradley Beal, who should be way better this season without Russ by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. but personally I'm, I'm off LeBron because I, you know, I'm not, I don't trust him in a a daily head to head league to be playing every, every game during the week. And the numbers are going to come down. So don't, don't look at last year's numbers and think, yeah, he's going to do that again.
0: Right. So let's go into the fourth round here. This is your guy and you've been talking about him all off season. Shout out to Brandon Anderson. If you listen to the buckets betting podcast, he was actually hyping up this man as a potential most improved player of the year. And if you look at, and how voters have been trending on this award, this guy really fits the profile age opportunity. And, and on a per 36 minutes, we've seen what this guy can do. So curious about your thoughts and why you selected OG Ananubi in the fourth round.
1: Yeah, man, this, this guy's, this guy's absolutely poised to break out the season 24 years old. Kyle Lowry's gone. Pascal Siakam had torn labrum, uh surgery for a torn labrum back in May, I believe. So he's likely to miss at least a month or so of the regular season. And you never know with those injuries when guys coming back, like he could be out, you know, through Christmas or something like that. In OG and Anubi's last 19 healthy games of 2020, he averaged 19.1 points, three, three pointers made five and a half rebounds and almost three assists per game. And that's with uh great, Shooting from the field, uh, he's a career forty-eight percent field goal shooter. He improved his free throw percentage to seventy-eight point four last season and averaged a career high thirty-three minutes a game. He's going to be a focal point of this offense, especially with Siakam out early. Him and Van Vliet are going to take the lead with, in this offense, and I really like this guy to possibly be a top twenty-five fantasy basketball player in twenty
0: twenty-one. It's a uh, it could be lofty expectations, or it could be the sleeper of the year. Right. And you know, one thing we know is that Nick nurse plays his star players. Like he comes from the Thibodeau system, right? So he's all for giving the guys that he believes in and trusts the non Chris Boucher's all of the minutes. And like you said, with Pascal Siakam potentially being out for a portion of the year, Siakam was 10th in minutes played last year, 35 minutes per game. Fred Van Vliet was number two at 36 and a half. So who's to say OG Ananubi is not going to jump up into this echelon of 35 plus minutes. You're looking at all the opportunity here, right? So, you know, is, is fourth round, do you feel like you're reaching for OG or is this the right spot? Do you think?
1: I feel like people will think it's a reach, but I don't personally think it's a reach. Like if I'm sitting there on the clock and LeBron is there and, and, and Ananubi is there, I'm going with OG. And that's just, that's just facts, man. Like, I the upside with Ananubi is unknown. The upside with LeBron is known. And yeah. there's a lot of downside with LeBron. So, you know, give me the guy who has a chance to average low 20 points, seven, eight rebounds, three, four assists with really high percentages. And he's going to give you like two or two point five steals and blocks per game with very low turnovers. Like you don't get that from a lot of guys. We're we're talking a guy who's kind of similar to Michael Porter Jr. Actually, like Michael Porter Jr. shot the ball really well, but Ananobi does too. Yeah, I think they're I think they're pretty similar guys, to be honest with you.
0: Interesting. And then you got Porter Jr. going, you know, as high as you know, early second round uh, this year. So certainly it could be value. You know, this time this this time come uh, drafts officially draft season, we could see. And Anubi driving up uh the ADP and, and moving up draft boards. So let's keep it moving, man. So your next pick going out to, to the Kings, Tyrese Halliburton. And you picked him over quite a few dudes that were available, most notably, you know, Russell Westbrook, if we're talking about the punting, CJ McCollum, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley. You know, I, I totally see the reason why you you're you're banking on the upside here of Tyrese Halliburton. But are you are you thinking that Buddy Heald eventually gets moved and then that that's more usage opportunity? Or is it more? What are you What are you excited about with Tyrese Halliburton heading into this season?
1: I probably would have switched this pick up uh, after understanding my strategy better because Halliburton's is right, right. really good free throw shooter and and hits threes. Uh, yeah. But I I do I do think there's upside with Halliburton. He was just a rookie last season, super efficient for a rookie. The assist to turnover ratio was was incredible as as I highlighted all season last year. Um, but yeah there's there's some guys after him that that probably deserve to go a little bit higher. I think in my mind, I still thought Buddy Heald was gone <laughs> to the Lakers because <laughs> that, that, that fake trade yeah, that yeah. Uh, was going out there on Twitter. but I, the kings obviously don't like Buddy Heald. Um, so you know, one would think that he would pro- probably be moved m- maybe midseason before the trade deadline. But but you have to think that Halliburton still is the starter this season, and he started towards the end of the season last year. So yeah. there's a lot of upside there. But he's still playing alongside a, a high usage guy like De'Aaron Fox. So depends what your depends uh, on the strategy you're going for. If you, if you want assists and steals and threes, like Halliburton's a, a pretty good option. Right.
0: So being that you you're trying to you're trying to draft and adapt at the same time, not really focusing and keen in on potentially what your punting opportunity was. Out of the last, you know, seven or eight picks that you had, it went Derek White, PJ Washington, Colin Sexton, Daniel Gafford, Jordan Clarkson, James Wiseman, Rory Hachimura, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Joe Ingles to close it out. Who are you most excited about out of those names and why?
1: Derek White, man. When I took Derek White in this draft, everybody in the, in the chat was like, dang. Like I, I, I know sh- I, I should have reached for Derek white around earlier and you know, I thought he would come back to me, but he didn't. Right. So with the Rosen gone to Chicago, that opens up a ton of uh, usage opportunity, right. For Derek white, whose usage went up 4.7% without the Rosen uh, on the floor. and that was a team high 26, 27.6%. So we're looking at a guy shot the ball kind of poorly, uh, but for his career, he's a pretty good shooter from the field. So hopefully that number goes back up, even with the increased usage, just going to see a ton of opportunities that like the ball is going to be in his hand a lot. And he's going to be asked to do a lot for that team uh, playing alongside. I like the I like the Murray as well there. Uh, but, but Derek white the, has is definitely the value of the two. I think Murray went a little bit higher. So I'm, I'm a big fan of his this season.
0: I feel that man. And I think you're right. You know, and it's, it's, the San Antonio Spurs are in an interesting position where they haven't really been in an official rebuild in what the last, it seems like 15, 20 years. And so they're finally in there now. And I think Derek White, if he could stay healthy, which has always been his thing, can he stay healthy? He's always been very productive. So I think this is really going to be his and DeJounte Murray's team. I think we could also see Keldon Johnson potentially emerge. You know, he's got a chip on his shoulder after winning a gold medal at the, uh, the Olympics. We saw him be one of the, the top waiver wire ads last year early in the season kind of tailed off as the season progressed. But I think those are the three main spurs that you're going to want to manage or roster this season with the highest upside going to Derek White, just because we haven't even seen, you know, in a full season, what this guy can actually do. And love what you said about his usage rate going up with the Rosen off the floor. That's only bodes well for his prospects going into this season. So just to close out the show, wanted to run through real quick if you have any top so we're talking about punting a little bit and as we get more into the mock draft season and make sure you go to yahoo sports because they are now the mock draft season is open you can start mocking so i know koffer and i are going to start doing that just to kind of get a gauge of adps and where people are going um, over the course of the season as we actually get into the full draft mode if you're punting out of the top 25 you know i'm gonna throw out a couple names here tell me what category you would punt based off of their these players' strengths. So for instance, you know, we call Nikola Jokic the number one overall pick. If you're punting, where he does everything, right? So but is there anything to punt for him really?
1: Yeah, so the only thing he's the only thing he's you know quote unquote bad at is three pointers. But he still hit 1.3 per game from right. the center position. So this is this is why he's really the he's the 101 unquestioned because he doesn't hurt you anywhere like you don't have to when you take him your punting strategy is still undetermined at that point like it'll right. be determined with your second and third round picks not with nicole good jokic
0: good point and so so if you want to take the risk though but like what if you draft someone like steph curry who is easily in the conversation for you know top overall pick just for his as what he brings you in terms of the above average contributions in, in many stack categories, but he doesn't give you much in the blocks and rebounds, right?
1: He averaged uh, five rebounds a game, point 0.1 blocks per game. Now, obviously, you know most guards, you know Steph Curry, Trey Young, Damian Lillard are not gonna get you blocks, but you know if if you're gonna go that route early, then maybe you you know maybe your uh, your big men aren't you know typical. You know, like big time rebounders. Maybe they're guys that maybe get you more assists, like like a Bam Adebayo, for example, averaged five right. and a half assists last year, uh, nine rebounds, which is still a lot, but but that's not like Clint Capella rebounds or Rudy Gobert rebounds, for example.
0: Right. And then someone like um so I'm going to go down the list a little bit, but like Michael Porter Jr. Let's, let's say him. I think he's going to be a very popular name. That's going to be moving all around draft boards after putting up a good season last year. And then also not having Jamal Murray to compete with. Uh, Cause we really saw him break out once, once Murray was off the
1: floor. If you want to punt assists, Michael Porter Jr. Is your guy because he never passes the ball. <laughs> <laughs> the Honestly, ultimate like, green
0: light, right? Like it's dude, literally like you get the he's ball. Like he's, pulling he, it.
1: he's like a big J.R. Smith. That's efficient. Like, yeah. He he. Every every game is like zero assists, one assist, two assists, zero assists. Like here's a guy. Here's a guy who just scores. But I take that back, right? He doesn't just score. He gets boards. He gets threes. He gets two steals and blocks per game. Like literally, almost no turnovers. Like it was like one turnover a game. Shot fifty five percent from the field. Like what? What six eleven? That's like that's like better than Kevin Durant shoots. And it's it's on pretty high volume too. I'm not saying he's KD. But I think the only category he really hurts you in is is assists. If you're gonna if you're gonna take Michael Porter Jr., be prepared to punt assists, no doubt.
0: Yeah, I would also argue that uh, he doesn't really help you in free throws too much either, and it's mainly because he doesn't have the volume. He only went to the line two times a game, and so this guy is literally to me he's like Clay Thompson, like he's just a guy that stands on the perimeter. And just launches away, or if he's given an open shot in, in the in the uh, mid range, he will also take that too.
1: That's okay like, though, he, right? Because yeah, free, totally okay. free throws. Free right. throws because because free throws are just free throw percentage, so that's really right. a wash. You're not really right. you're not punting, but you're also not leaning into that category either.
0: Right, right. Good point. So yeah, so next week, that's just a few names. We'll talk about a lot more as we as the season approaches. But uh, make sure you check out the buckets betting podcast that drops every Wednesday with Matt Moore, Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson. And you can check in with, with Coughler uh, and I we will be back every week. We have a really exciting announcement to drop as we get closer to the season. So stay tuned for that. Adam, where can they find you? What are you working on? Tell them all that good stuff.
1: You can find me on Twitter, obviously at Adam Koffler. I uh, just recently started tweeting out some basketball stuff. So that should get people pretty hyped. Going to try to, you know, ble- uh, You know, mix some of that in with the fantasy football takes here. With obviously, with the uh, draft season and in, in full swing for football. But but I'll be I'll be mixing in some basketball stuff. And obviously, like Dan said, we're gonna be mocking a little bit. Probably come up with a with a top one fifty rankings. Then we could start to you know check in on on some of our best value sleepers, bust sort of thing uh, for future episodes.
0: Yeah, one thing where I'm actually super hyped about Koffler, is uh, ESPN actually already dropped their early preliminary rankings and I'm, I'm sure yahoo will be very quick to follow see where our 150 kind of stacks up against them and uh, we'll do some cross comparisons of sleepers value plays who we see as adp risers fallers etc so uh yeah, stay tuned for that man we're really excited about that coming out But until then, make sure you check out all the other podcasts for the Action Network podcast. Big Bets on Campus, Fantasy Flex, Links and Locks. We do it all. We'll catch you next week. Until then, we'll holla at you. Peace.